Number 6. This is the Trailblazers.irish podcast for Wednesday, April 20th, 2016. Emigrantmanifesto.irish. I'm Conor Mwinichon and this is Trailblazers.irish, brought to you by Black Knight, Ireland's leading domain name registrar. In each episode, we bring you an interview with an Irish trailblazer, someone who's building, creating, expanding, researching or otherwise blazing a trail. The one thing they all have in common is that they're using the new .irish domain extension. .irish, the new top-level domain for the global Irish community. It's available to anyone, anywhere in the world, who identifies with the word Irish. Irishness, we remind you, is more than geography or politics, it's a state of mind. The website for the podcast is trailblazers.irish. You can find out more there and subscribe to get the episodes for free. Joining us on Skype from London is Barry Johnston. Welcome to the show, Barry. Morning, Con. How are you? I'm well. Uh, Barry, let's talk a bit about yourself, first of all. We're going to talk about emigrantmanifesto.irish today. That's your uh, website and uh, what it stands for and uh, your Shannon the Election campaign. But take us back. Who's Barry Johnston? Um, well, I'm born in Ballinasloe. Uh, so that's a small Midlands town, um, a border running down through it. So a bit of it's in, in Galway, a bit of it's in Roscommon. Um, I was brought up on the, the Roscommon side. Um, went to school there locally. Um, both my parents teachers, so my dad taught me in primary school. My mother taught me in, in secondary school. Um, and a pretty kind of a, a, a standard uh, rural Irish upbringing. Mm-hmm. Played a bit of sports, um, uh, football, hurling, and uh, and soccer as well. Um, and moved on from from Banlaslow to study in NUIG. Um, so I did my undergrad in, in psychology in, in NUIG um, from 2003 to 2006. Um, obviously, being a graduate of, of NUIG has put me in, in a position whereby I'm able to, to run for, for the Shannon on the NUIG panel uh, as well now. So that's the kind of the the, the biography for, mm. for the upbringing. And, and you, I guess what's... Yeah, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Well, I guess what's most relevant is that... Um, you know, I grew up in a small town in, in the west of Ireland, and, and uh, in terms of setting up the Emigrant Manifesto, uh, there was a, a there's a big correlation, I think, between the understanding that people in the west of Ireland have around emigration and, and uh, the importance of it. There isn't really a family around us, I don't think, that wouldn't be affected by emigration, and certainly the huge number of the people who I would have come out of uh, secondary school with uh, in, in Garbley College uh, a lot of those guys are either abroad now or have spent time abroad as well. Mm. Um, I myself went and spent, in the past 10 years, have spent three different chunks of time living overseas for, for work and for mm. study as well. And what do you do now, Barry? At the moment, I'm, I'm head of advocacy for a charity called ActionAid uh, in, in the UK. So for the past uh, seven or eight years, really, I've been working in human rights campaigning uh, in Ireland, in London, and uh, with mm. human rights campaigners and organisations around the world. So I started that with Amnesty International back in, in Dublin, uh, working particularly on the issue of mental health and human rights. Spent a lot of time uh, campaigning with um, service users, uh, people with mental health problems um, in local uh, groups and, and national organisations in Ireland. 
around 2008, 2009, 2010, when the issue was getting less political attention. Um, and coming back and, and running in the Shannon elections this time, it's it's nice to see that there's more people talking about mental health, there's more mm. people running with that as one of their issues. Um, but I don't think, unfortunately, a lot has changed um, at the service provision level um, and in some of the areas of discrimination that people with mental health problems face. That was the kind of initial way into uh, a human rights um, vocation, I guess you'd call it, for me. Um, and I've gone on from that to work in uh, more international space on um, issues like global debt, climate change, um, tax justice as well um, for uh, Christian Aid and for, for Action Aid here in London. Now, as you point out, Barry, um, coming from uh, from rural Ireland, uh, the whole idea of emigration is part of the narrative. It's part of the experience, and uh, a large uh, proportion of uh, of people you went to school with, for example, uh, would find themselves uh, working and living abroad. And in your case, as you say, it, you've been back and over. You've been in Ireland. You've been in 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 the UK as well uh, several times over the last ten years. Um, it, it's it's part of the narrative, but you don't feel any less Irish, Barry. Uh, is the impression I get from talking to you. Um, you feel London isn't that far away and you you remain engaged and involved uh, with Ireland and what's going on in Ireland. Would that be a fair description? Absolutely, and I think it doesn't just apply to me. You've seen, um, since the economic crash, a new wave of, of emigration in Ireland. Um, and I think, as a country, there's a lot of people who are very, very saddened and disappointed by that. I think we saw, we thought... Um, thought wrongly, but we thought that we'd seen an end to those kind of big, big uh, chunks of different generations having to to set off and and go elsewhere to to find uh, to find a life and to find a living. Um, and I think that's something which definitely is part of the Irish culture, part of the Irish story. And there's good things that uh, as part of that. You've seen the success that 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 Irish people have when they go abroad. Some who come back bring new perspectives. So I'm not anti-emigration, and, and, and equally, actually, very in favour of migration into Ireland mm. as well. But I think you've seen also in this generation, my generation, the the nature of of emigration has changed slightly. So this idea that once you're gone, you're gone for good, um, is is no longer valid. I think you see people who, in my own case, I've lived abroad on three separate occasions now in the last 10 years. You see people who are what I call the weekday immigrants, who are actually still resident for all intents and purposes in Ireland, but are working Monday to Friday in in the UK or on the continent, for example. Um, And then you have people who are, are gone much further, but who are daily in contact with home through Skype and Facebook, who are, you know, watching live streaming Vincent Brown, who are reading the journal, who are logging on to Irish Times. Mm. Uh, and those are those are people who have very often as, as much of a sense uh, and as much of a stake in what's going on back in Ireland. So when we did the the, um, the research for the the Emigrant Manifesto um, using the using the website, we, we did a survey of, of, of the Irish living abroad. Mm. Uh, and one of the striking features was not just that, yes, they absolutely still felt Irish, not just that they were, were very much interested and wanted to, to have their say reflected uh, and cared about what was happening in Ireland. But they were, you know, they were they were living that out. They were, you know, 78% of them were regularly reading Irish websites and newspapers. Mm-hmm. They were still in contact daily with family back home. So you have this sense, and I thought it was quite 
interesting, the film Brooklyn came out at the back end of last year, around the same time as we were putting the campaign together. And that, you know, you saw that in that film, that real kind of stark decision that uh, the, the main character had to make around, you know, either being in Ireland and staying here and having that life in Ireland, or something totally different far away in, in New York. And I think we're lucky now, and this doesn't just apply to my younger generation, but, but it, it's now common across all generations, is that through technology, through cheaper travel, um, we're able to be physically in Ireland, but also mentally in Ireland in a way that previous generations didn't have the, the opportunity. And I think while that change has taken place, maybe a bit of our cultural understanding about immigration and certainly the political understanding of immigration has not kept pace with that. And that's a large part of what um, has fed into and motivated the Emigrant Manifesto campaign. Looking at uh, the website you have at emigrantmanifesto.irish, I saw um, a video uh, with testimonials from individual emigrants, uh, Irish emigrants uh, around the world. Um, one thing that came up was that uh, they, they say they plan to return, uh, Barry. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's very few people who, and some of them would have, have a justifiable reason for doing it, would say, good riddance to the country uh, and turn their turn their backs. There are an awful lot of people who've, who've left in previous generations and in this who did so without wanting to and who did so as a result of a de facto policy mm. in the country, which was uh, we're happy to see people go because it keeps unemployment numbers down and um, it helps us to, to, to spread what the, 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 the resources that are left around a bit more. Um, and I think there's been a, definitely a kind of a, a forked tongue in the way that successive governments have, have spoken to these people. Um, happy to see them go and uh, all the more happy to see them send back a couple of quid and a couple of jobs. Mm. Um, so I think there, there, is, there is definitely, I've sensed in my generation and I've seen in, in some older generations as well, um, um, have an anger there about how some people who were themselves socially and, and economically excluded in Ireland, um, were treated um, and continue to be excluded from 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 Irish political and and, and, and public life. Um, and yet, uh, the, I haven't met I haven't met in, in my experience and personally uh, not in a position that I don't foresee a time when I will return and, and live there again. And I think that is uh, an incredibly positive thing. Um, but there are barriers to it. Um, a lot of the, the canvassing of, of people living abroad that, that we did, and you can see it in the, in, in the video as well on, on the website, um, talks about the difficulty in figuring out how you, how you get back to Ireland and what that country will be like when you get there. Um, one of the arguments that we hear sometimes when we bring the campaign on, on votes for the Irish abroad is that you've left you went and now the decisions at home don't affect you. And I think if you talk to anyone who left in the last five to seven years and try and explain to them that the decisions that the Irish government are making doesn't affect them and their ability to return, you'll get a pretty short response to that. Yeah. Um, and that's not just around the economic uh, issues, but absolutely um, the, the the huge cuts to particularly younger people coming into the public sector, for example, to their paying conditions make it much less likely that you'll get young graduates returning. Um, you have issues like um, non-denominational non-denominational education which comes up you have people going abroad 
um, setting up families and wanting to come home and raise those families, but you know, not having the kind of cultural or, or social uh, diversity that's required to, uh, to to bring up a family in the way that they want to. Mm. Um, and yet, people are still they're still looking backwards. They're still planning long term uh, to go home. It's it's a theme that actually ties in with many of the other podcasts we have in this series. Uh, when we talk about the dot Irish domain um, as it is, um, uh, Barry, is that uh, one of the things we say is that Irishness is bigger than Ireland, uh, and Irishness is 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 an experience of emigration and and return indeed as well, and generations and waves of people who came back in the the nineties and the noughties uh, who have who have made a huge impact in this country in in uh, after returning in that as well. You are running as a candidate, as you said uh, there a while ago, Barry, you're running as a candidate in the Shannon election on the NUI panel, which is, I think, the NUI and the Trinity uh, College, uh, the Dublin University panel, are the two, uh, the only two options or the only two um, constituencies uh, which allow for emigrants to vote. Because if you're a graduate, now it's it's not a fair system because um, there isn't, for example, anything for the Institutes of Technology. But uh, there are seats in the Shannon for graduates of uh, the National University of Ireland and of uh, of Trinity, and. Um, you're running on one of those uh, seats or running uh, in that constituency in the election, the postal ballot, uh, which is happening next week. But um, that's a very limited option for emigrants and, and for a very small subset of emigrants as well, Barry. But mm. as you were saying earlier, things have moved on internationally in terms of technology and transport. And in fact, we now lag behind other countries in terms of the opportunities they give for emigrants. Votes for emigrants isn't such a radical idea in other countries, is it? No, absolutely, and it's um, it's the, the first stumbling block you you meet when when you go out and you talk to people about this issue is this uh, sense that what this what the system is in Ireland is is the norm. It's mm. it's far from it. Over 120 countries around the world, including virtually all of our, our European neighbours, um, provide for the ability for citizens to vote uh, outside of, of the country. I think Greece has it in its constitution but hasn't yet implemented it. Uh, and Malta, it's cheaper from... It, Malta actually flies its citizens back to vote because it's cheaper <laughs> because, of, because of the numbers. But that, that indicates to you that it's written into someone's constitution that you would actually arrange to fly people back as well. That mm. this is something which in other countries is taken very, very seriously. And what's particularly galling from an Irish perspective is that it's, we're the country that this most affects because the OECD has shown that as a proportion of its uh, um, of, of, of uh, natural-born citizens, uh, we have the most living abroad. One in six Irish-born people now lives outside the state. Um, and you cannot take one in six of your population, mm. remove them from your politics, and not leave a massive gap there, not leave a hole in terms of what's been talked about, in terms of the ideas that are getting put into public and, and political conversations. Um, but we seem quite content and all, almost, uh, you know, consciously are choosing to, to take that group of people and say, we're not really interested in, in what you think might need to change in this country. Um, but we've seen certainly over the Shannon campaign and, and, and particularly last year with the marriage referendum as well, that the people who are gone are, are no longer taking that lying down. Um, they're either acting by by taking that short window, 18 months once you leave the country, uh, where you can still travel back and vote and they're, they're exercising that vote, or they're, they're getting involved with groups like Votes, uh, uh, um, 
uh, votingright.ie or votes for Irish citizens abroad, which are long-running campaigns um, and and uh, coalitions of, of different campaigning groups that are seeking to put this issue on the agenda. Um, I I came to the to the to the issue through uh, the marriage equality referendum, having been out of the country uh, for more than four years. When I left, I was working with Amnesty on this issue four years ago, uh, and when it came around to the time for the referendum. Uh, I wasn't in a position, you know, I wasn't eligible to vote. Um, and that for me was a, a real, real, real shame because it is one of the decisions that would weigh very heavily on my ability to come back to Ireland to have a family uh, there. Um, so it for me felt like I was being excluded in a very, very meaningful way. Um, and if you look here in London, the people that I work with, you know, French, American, Slovenians, they're all regularly voting in different elections, the guys currently who are looking back at America and thinking, my God, what's happening with Donald Trump, they actually have the ability to affect that election from abroad. Um, and we, we need a, a shift in mindset in Ireland to, to understand that the linking of the, the, the vote is not about residence, it's about citizenship. You know, it's a fundamental right. I'm quite fortunate because the UK and Ireland have an agreement where you can vote in one of those countries. But if you go to any other country you are going to have no vote whatsoever. So as an Irish person, you're deprived of your vote in Ireland and you won't have a vote where you where you end up. Um, so you're doubly, doubly disenfranchised. And this is something that the Irish state has repeatedly failed to address. Uh, just to play devil's advocate, uh, Barry, what uh, about, isn't there a danger that um, uh, on, for example, a particular issue that uh, emigrants could exercise a, a disproportionate influence on an issue which uh, perhaps doesn't affect them uh, that uh, they could find themselves in a position to influence uh, the votes uh, on uh, our policy at home, um, which is a policy that they wouldn't actually have to live with. Well, I mean, there's a couple of, of arguments that, that come up in that regard. The first of those is, is economic and around taxation. And I think um, only the US and Eritrea, of all the countries that allow its citizens overseas to vote, actually link um, your vote to the issue of, of taxation and, and spending. Um, we don't, in any other um, uh, in any other respect, link taxation and voting rights. People who pay more tax don't get extra votes. People who aren't net tax contributors in Ireland don't have their vote taken away. Your vote is around citizenship. Secondly, around kind of broader social issues. And if you start to decide who gets the vote based on based on their opinion on something, mm. you're entering into a, a oh, no. strange kind of a, a position. Yeah. But I think more, no, there's no, a more no, broad but, question but, there. About, but the simple to what you were saying about yeah. the the dot Irish and it being but, about Ireland being bigger. Yeah. It is you know collectively as mm. citizens, and there's now you know a, a, a huge number of those abroad retain a sense of Irishness. When you go abroad and you celebrate St. Patrick's Day around the world as the Irish yeah. state uh, promotes hugely, that relies on a global Irish identity. Um, and that should have some way of being reflected back into the country as well. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, so I, the point I was saying is, for example, it's, it's, not, it's not about um, deciding who gets to vote based on their political opinion, but perhaps deciding uh, that uh, people who, who have a vote and who can influence policy uh, live with the consequences of that policy. Uh, so, for yeah. example, if there was an issue in relation to water charges, for example, uh, you're not affected by water charges here in Ireland, uh, but yet you could influence policy on that. 
Yeah, well, I mean, again, I would go back to the point that um, for a lot of people, some of the decisions about whether or not they would return to Ireland, which is an express government uh, position that they want people to return, will in fact be determined by some of the decisions that are made. And, and indeed, will also have knock on consequences for people who might choose to leave. I think the other interesting thing about the water charges debate specifically mm. is that actually people end up paying for water in most of the other countries that they live in, or they're able to pay for it through general taxation. What you would have if you were having people who had experience of other systems involved in voting is you'd have probably have a much broader conversation about water charges other than the, the kind of very narrow, uh, divisive conversation that we're having in Ireland at the moment. Um, more broadly than that, I think there is an issue there around, particularly Ireland as a country, having a huge number of, of immigrants, about there being a disproportionate impact about people not actually resident in the state. Well, I fully accept that, but if you look at the Immigrant Manifesto that we've, we've published, it takes that into account. So it, it, it calls for a tiered voting system, um, and that means that you would retain, as a citizen, a vote at all times, mm. but that would be in proportion to how much time you've spent abroad. So what we're, we're saying is, in the first instance, we should have... Um, and it's, it, this is, is as relevant to many residents who might be traveling on, on polling day. We need to have an absentee ballot. You have a situation whereby people who might be on holidays, who might be away on work, uh, or people who are on short-term contracts outside the country uh, for six months or whatever, miss polling day and they have no way of casting their vote. Now, that's just, I mean, in terms of uh, basic practicalities and nonsense. So what I'm saying is that that could be extended to people who've emigrated recently for a period of, you know, a minimum of one electoral cycle and maximum of two, mm. uh, so that you have uh, an ability to stay within your existing um, constituency and vote based on that. It, because we have a long-term immigrant population, though, as well, we can look at other systems like the French and the Italians have, where they have dedicated seats to represent the Irish abroad or to represent their citizens abroad. So we'd be proposing the creation of what we're calling an overseas constituency. This would mean that you would have locked-in representation for that huge population of the Irish abroad. But recognising the fact that some of them are, are long-term abroad, it would be uh, proportionate. So we'd say five uh, seats for uh, the different regions uh, around the world that the Irish would be represented. And then you do have a, a series of votes where, where they're much more about um, uh, Irish identity, they're much more about the symbolism of Ireland. Um, and so, for example, you have the presidential elections and the Constitutional Convention has recommended that voting and that should be extended to anyone who holds an Irish passport. And we'd support that as well. So there are ways in which you can uh, configure the electoral system so that you mm. take in, into account the fact that some people in that might have a particular stake in Irish society, which is greater or lesser. The other thing is as well, generally speaking, people who've gone who have no intention of returning and who, who aren't interested, they just won't exercise that vote in much the same way that people choose to or choose not to participate in, in, in the electoral process at home as well. It's outlined in detail uh, in the um, uh, Emigrant Manifesto on the website on emigrantmanifesto.irishberry and it, it certainly is interesting and as you point out uh, other countries have addressed this uh, in, in, in ways and it's simply a matter really I suppose of deciding deciding how it would work uh, in practice and I suppose again the whole question about um, influencing policy and living with that policy you can also say that emigrants are living with, uh, the, uh, uh, with the policies that have been implemented and uh, in fact in some cases are the reason that they're emigrants in the first place. Well, I think that's a particularly good point and, yeah. and where we saw it most. So we used the website um, and the .irish domain name to, to, to put out a, a survey uh, across December and, and January. Um, and it was 
basically, for, for many people, for many Irish living abroad, the first time many people had come and asked them their views on, on Irish politics. Yeah. We had a, a general election coming where actually political parties were talking about immigrants quite a lot, but they were talking about them, not to them. Mm. So we conducted the survey um, across two months. We had over 200 contributions and uh, a wide variety of um, um, representative bodies and, and, and advocacy groups for, for immigrants as well. We specifically asked people how they were going to vote, um, how they intended to vote. Um, and the Irish Times did a similar survey. And what was notable in that was in both of those uh, surveys, the Fianna Fáil party didn't get into double figures in terms of what in terms of voting. Now that's very very different to what happened, actually ended up happening back in Ireland. Mm. And I, my interpretation of that is that the people who were at the sharpest edge of the outcomes of 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 the the economic crisis and the crash, the people who were actually forced to leave the country, um, haven't quite forgiven or forgotten just yet. That's a very very interesting point, Barry. Um, the 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 details, as we say, are are in the uh, website at emigrantmanifesto.irish. Tell me who's involved with our emigrantmanifesto.irish, uh, Barry. Um, how did you how did you get involved with this? Who else is involved? Uh, and uh, what kind of relationships do you have with uh, other um, campaigns uh, on the same issue? So, I mean, I think. Uh, it was it was something that I founded, but it 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 relies on and is built on the work that's happened really for decades in in the Irish immigrant communities in the UK and and and, and America particularly. Um, I got involved after the marriage equality referendum with votes for Irish citizens abroad here in in London, um, and was particularly interested in 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 making sure that. In being interested in the topic, um, I didn't kind of write in as a as, as Johnny come lately and and uh, do it in an ill-informed way. Um, and through them, met networks of groups who'd also been working on for the, the marriage equality campaign. So you've got the likes of We're Coming Back um, and Get the Boat to Vote, who were very active during that and very also active in the Constitutional Convention and the submissions to to that. You also then have. Um, more kind of representative groups and 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 uh, service providing groups in, in the Irish diaspora community, um, who you're able to tap into through those networks as well. The idea for the for the manifesto and for the Shannon campaign was to generate political interest and momentum at a time when other political decisions were being made. I didn't want us to have a, a general election which was absent the voice of, of Irish people living abroad um, and I didn't want it to end the day that the general election ended and that's why we chose to run uh, in the end we've now run we're running two Shannon candidates myself on the NUI panel and Ed Davitt who, who's running on the Trinity panel and we're both running jointly on the the immigrant manifesto um, platform but gratifyingly mm. we've seen now uh, Sinn Féin have nominated uh, an immigrant uh, for one of their Shannon candidates um, there's a, a gentleman running on the business panel uh, or the trade uh, or the industry panel uh, for the Shannon who, who lives in Atlanta as well. So um, we kind of think that we're, we're tapping into something which is a bit, um, it's a bit on trend. Uh, and my hope is that once we're the far side of, of the, the elections, we'll have the first, if not a couple of, of immigrant senators uh, to represent the Irish abroad. So that would be, a, a, you know, purely by virtue of of that 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 person, and obviously, I'm I'm hoping I'll be one of them. Mm. Uh, their presence in the Shannon it will actually change the, the the dynamics of Irish politics. You'll have someone in there who is who is there specifically to represent those views. Now, the Irish diaspora community has always been uh, very very adamant that it is dull representation that they want, um, not just in, in the Shannon. And there's there's the strong reasons and arguments for that. 
but it's a it's a first step. Mm-hmm. How how is it going from a practical point of view, Barry? How do you uh, how do you campaign uh, for an election uh, to the Shannon in a situation like this, where you uh, you don't have doors you can knock on, and uh, you're appealing to uh, a very widely dispersed electorate? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I, I I think it goes without saying now, but probably should be said that the Shannon system is a total anachronism. It's totally out of date, um, and it needs to be reformed. Um, it's true that it is the only uh, bit of the electoral system that gives voice to the Irish abroad, but that's more by accident than design. The legislation was drafted in 1937. It was deemed that it would be a postal ballot. Uh, I don't think at the time they had the foresight to think that, oh, this will allow uh, Irish immigrants who go abroad to, to have a vote. It just means that they didn't explicitly preclude changing your address to be an overseas address. So there's, on my panel, the NUI panel, there's roughly... Out of 100,000, there's 2,500 people who've gone to the border of changing their address to, to overseas. So hoping that they'll, they'll uh, be interested in, in, in casting their vote for me. Um, but that kind of gives you a sense of the scale and the breadth as well of the constituency. Mm. You have, uh, when you decide to run, if you pay 155 euros, you're given a CD-ROM, which has 103,000 names on it. Um, addresses and degrees and that is the sum total of the knowledge that you have about your 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 electorate um, and they are as I've said including two and a half thousand people who are registered abroad spread widely across the country and now uh, across parts of the world as well there's over a thousand people registered in the UK who have a vote that's actually more than are res- registered respectively in, in counties like Longford or Leitrim or Cavan or um, and then you have big, big groupings of, of people in, in the main cities and around the universities. So the state pays for one mail shot to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to pay for the printing and the design of that yourself, which is where some of the cost of, 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 of campaigning is incurred. Um, and then anything beyond that is entirely up to you. So you will have better resource candidates who are able to do supplementary mail shots um, and who are able to 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 organize um, door-to-door canvassing as well so you can look at things like um, uh, search the the database by address or postcode so in dublin particularly you can you can identify pockets which have large numbers of of graduates so there are ways of getting to but you are uh, a little bit removed um, from the electorate which means that you're not at the same disadvantage as an overseas candidate as you would be in the general elections i think running a general election campaign wouldn't be feasible at all. And that's why we chose the Shannon, because you had that loophole around people overseas who could vote, but also because, you know, you weren't totally on a hiding to nothing. There is there is the possibility and the feasibility that you could actually could actually get elected. My own circumstance, I've done <clears throat> spent some time back in Ireland, but because I'm still working abroad, it hasn't been possible to spend it uh, 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 all the time for the campaign back there. But spent um, Easter and, and the weeks around Easter back at home mm. um, and have been going to, for example, the teachers' conferences and, and to, the, to the university campuses. Uh, and there you do get to meet people, you do get to meet voters. Um, and I think particularly in the, in the challenge elections, voters are, are often surprised when they have face-to-face contact with the candidates. So it, I, it, does, it does make a, a difference, and, and, and I think mm. they appreciate that too. I think the particular message that I've been given to, um, to, to NUI Shannon voters is that 
they actually possess a, a privilege in Irish society. They have an extra vote uh, in, a, in what is a, an unfair and an unequal system. Um, but we voted to keep this system, albeit most people voted with the intention to see it reformed. Um, now we're waiting for political parties to get together and, 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 and bring that reform about. In the interim, I think voters can do a, a bit of de facto reform. So one of the things that voters can do is they can say, because I have this extra vote, I'm going to use this vote to vote to, to represent people who don't have a vote. Mm. So for those who have an extra vote on the, on the Shannon's uh, elections, I'm, I'm asking them to, to cast that vote for an immigrant candidate who would represent those people who don't have votes. And I think that principle, even without reform, could be extended. You know, I'd love to see a situation whereby we have um, migrant candidates, where we have uh, candidates running from, um, from the Trevor community as well. Um, because I think the idea that we'll somehow change politics by electing the same people who've been running the show for the last however many years, um, we're going to be disappointed by that approach. Um, and I think that's that's that there's a, there's an onus there on people to put themselves forward, uh, to be selected, and then on, on on voters to to use their their votes in ways that do actually change the makeup of of people who are, are involved in politics. What kind of response are you getting to your message? Oh, I mean, I find me a politician who tells me they're getting a bad response to their message. <laughs> um, but actually, yes, the, door, <laughs> the noises on the doorstep have been very positive. Mm. I think occasionally you'll get a sceptic who, who thinks some of the arguments that we talked about earlier yeah. um, uh, against the, the principle of immigrant voting. It usually takes two or three uh, minutes to talk to the, the whys and the wherefores to convince them. But mostly you get people who, who think immediately of their son or daughter, their cousin, their nephew, mm. their niece, uh, their brother or sister, and think, actually, yeah, that, I, I get that. Um, I've not had someone do that before. And actually, this vote that I have for an institution which you know, I might be sceptical about, I think this can be something which gives it a bit more, gives it a bit more meaning. Um, so I've been you know, quietly happy. First-time candidate running against some, some big hitters, some very well-resourced um, uh, opponents on, on the on the campaign trail um, realistic about my prospects but you know there's two things here one is getting elected and the other is, is putting the issue on the table and I think we're really succeeding with the latter um, but we're not quite uh, not quite prepared to give up on the former right mm-hmm. Uh, besides the the obvious issue of of uh, immigrant uh, voting rights, uh, Barry, uh, are there other uh, issues on your on your uh, platform? Are there other uh, policies uh, that you would uh, uh, that you're campaigning on? Yeah, well, I mean, I've I hinted at some of them already. So, in, as as much as I'm a campaigner for for Irish immigrants' rights, um, I think the the flip side of that is campaigning on on migrant rights in Ireland. Um, and I think they're another group of, of people who have no voice in the Irish political system. Uh, and I think particularly at the moment with the European refugee crisis, it's putting a, a really unflattering light on the way Ireland has responded historically on, on refugees and, and, and asylum seekers, um, but is also responding, responding currently. I, I have no doubt that in 10, 15, 20 years' time, they are going to see reports written, investigations produced, um, and apologies from politicians on a similar level to what we saw around um, the, the industrial schools uh, and, and uh, clerical sex abuse. Uh, we have a massive human rights blot on our copybook at the moment in the way that the direct provision system inhumanely treats uh, refugees and asylum seekers, and I would be absolutely passionate in campaigning for that removal. Um, the other area where I think we have a historical um, 
wrongs to right is how we we deal with the issue of mental health and how we provide mental health services in Ireland. Um, at one point in the, the 50s or 60s, Ireland had a higher proportion of its population in psychiatric institutions than, than communist Russia. Um, and while we're not there anymore, we still have grave, grave deficiencies in terms of the services we're providing. Um, our legislation is still highly discriminatory towards people with mental health problems in a number of areas. Um, and more widely, in terms of access to education, employment and housing, people with mental health problems are very often at the, at the bottom of the, of, of the list. Another area where I've been taking previous experience of, of working that in Ireland. Um, and the Shannon is a, is a place where these kind of issues you tend to see them given greater profile. I always say that the Shannon represents the best and the worst in Irish politics. You see senators who go in there, who use that platform to profile issues and to represent marginalised people in Irish society that you don't always get in the door. But similarly, you have the, the flip side of that, and you have clientelism, you have paternalism, and you have you have um, you know people who are, are using the Shannon as a as either a retirement home or a or a trading college for the doll, and that's the downside of it. Mm. And, you know, again, that's why I think we need to be electing people into the chamber who, who have different set of motivations. Um, we talk about the, the Trailblazers.irish podcast series, uh, uh, Barry. It's all about, um, uh, I suppose, highlighting the, the, the diversity and the, the variety uh, in different applications of people who are using the domain. And uh, in your case, as I said, um, uh, your campaign really highlights the fact, I think, that Irishness is bigger than just Ireland. It's bigger than just an address and where you physically live. Um, but you were saying to me earlier, uh, you were influenced by a, a special offer on the price of the domain as well. <laughs> well, there was a number of reasons. Um, when we were setting up the, the website, um, I spent quite a while talking, thinking about the, the mm. name we give it, and, and Emigrant Manifesto was, was where we where we got to. But we were in the process of registering it, and um, could have gone with .ie, mm. um, which would have been the obvious one. But .irish, it was on offer. It was it was uh, twenty quid cheaper. But there's <laughs> there's something else about it as well, which was um, I didn't want. I wanted the campaign to to be very obviously Irish, but I didn't want it to be, you know, plastic paddy shamrocks and, and, and harps. Mm. Um, and I wanted something that would immediately hit people between the eyes, um, immediately give them a sense of what it was about without having to go down that route. And actually the domain name does that quite nicely. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, people do kind of do a double take and say, is that right? Or, um, you know, I didn't know that there was one. Um, but particularly when we were using it for, for pushing out the survey, uh, I think the distinctiveness of it was, was quite useful. It caught people's eye. Um, and it meant that you know, we got great response to the, to the survey that we've run. Um, and it's been, you know, we've we've really, really uh, benefited from from that as an as an evidence base for the for the campaign that we've that we've run, and then we've been, you know, enjoying some quite good traffic through the website since the campaign launched. It's uh, it's Wednesday, April twentieth uh, today, Barry. Um, the uh, the polls close, the ballot uh, closes uh, next Tuesday, I believe. Is that correct? Next Tuesday, but. Um, because the uh, postal ballot is by registered post, because a lot of the ballots went out over Easter, there's actually been quite a low, uh, a low response rate so far. I think only about twenty percent mm. have uh, have returned their ballots. So hopefully, a lot of your listeners will will have a, an envelope somewhere slightly forgotten in their house that they're they're intending 
to return before next Tuesday. Um, and I strongly encourage them to uh, to to fill out the ballot um, as fully as they can. It's a it's a PR uh, transferable vote uh, system, so every vote you count you cast is counted. Um, but obviously, I particularly think that if they if they do have a Shannon vote, that they should use that vote to elect. Uh, a new kind of person and a new, new, new and, and new voices into the Shannon, and particularly um, someone who is there specifically to represent the one in six Irish uh, who don't have a say in Irish politics at the moment. Well, Barry, we wish you well in, in your uh, efforts and in your campaign and in the broader campaign with Emigrant Manifesto Irish. Thanks for talking to us on the show. Thanks, Con. That was Barry Johnston from emigrantmanifesto.irish, our guest on this edition of trailblazers.irish. If you type that into the internet, it brings you to our website where you can hear all the podcasts and get more information. And if you click the feed icon at the top of the screen, you can subscribe to get the episodes for free. If you'd like your own .irish domain name, go to blackknight.irish. Could you hear the Slán Agus Benacht. <laughs>